Hi everyone, welcome to the All Inclusive Podcast, where each week I chat with industry experts and diversity, equity and inclusion executives from the world's leading global brands who share their knowledge, experience and actionable takeaways to help inclusive employers create cultures of belonging where everyone can thrive. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Joanne Conway. She is the Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusiveness at EY UK. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you, Natasha. Delighted to be here. Oh, no, I'm so thrilled to have you. Um, So why not kick things off? Let's tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are today. Yeah, great. Happy to. So um, so I've been with EY now for 16 years, so quite quite a long time. But within that, I've had a number of, of different careers. So um, started out actually back in Ireland, where I'm from, in the Dublin office, um, started out as one of our more junior members of the team. So at like a level one, came in doing administrative um, work. So really working around working capital in finance, actually. So my initial um, career with EY was in finance. So working as kind of like project manager, working with all of our accountants and our business professionals, helping them to manage their portfolios. So great experience in terms of influencing and just getting that baseline business acumen and professional services because for me that was the first time that I'd ever actually worked in a professional services organization so um quite interesting and and learned a lot and and then managed to work my way up throughout that um as within finance moving my way up to to the point where I was then managing people and, and managing teams like me and moved over to Manchester um in after about six years of working at EY I joined the the Manchester office and there continued to work in finance and at the end of my career within finance was heading up that whole um finance team so I was I was leading a team of about 60 people across the UK so quite a, a you know really nice and interesting career journey up to to that point and then I'd always had an interest in people. I had done a degree with the Open University in psychology and, you know, I started to look at what else I could do and what what potential career path could I take at EY that would be more people focused. And that's when I started to look around and um, just see what other teams did. Actually, I didn't really know. I didn't even know what diversity, equity and inclusiveness team was and, and through just being curious, asking questions, getting to know people, I found out the work that they did and and then spent some time probably about two or three years really planning out what that would look like and how I would be able to transition from working in finance to DE&I so that involved things like mentoring work shadowing taking on additional responsibilities and bringing what the firm were trying to achieve to our finance team to be able to demonstrate that I had that that skill in that space so you often get asked, you know, people are often interested in moving into um, to DE9. It's it, it's definitely possible, but it can be sometimes a quite a longer journey than people expect. You know, it isn't, you know, even though I've moved from finance into DE9, I probably was working on that transition for about three or four years before it happened. Mm. I mean, I think because DEI is fairly, I want to say it's fairly new, but I think it's fairly new in terms of it's blown up more recently because of recent events. Um, and so for you coming into to, to the work of, of DEI, what do you think is is the purpose of diversity, equity, inclusion? Why is it important to have in an organization? Yeah, it's um, the, so 
for EY and I know like you said there's many organizations and it's great to see the investment that's happening in this space at the moment which is is really important but we've had a team for for over 10 years now so I've worked in the DEI space for seven years three years within our global team and four years in the UK um and and really the the purpose around that is having a a dedicated team who have that expertise that that skill set that knowledge um and the the resilience to be able to bring an organization on a, on a journey, which includes things like strategic thinking. It includes making business decisions, um, putting the people at the heart of those decisions, but also being able to articulate that this is an absolutely a, a business priority. So that that's where I see that, that real value and the importance of having that dedicated team. So what does, what is the importance of kind of, the data for diversity and inclusion like how does it how can that help to really as you said you talked about it making sure that you're putting the people at the heart but it's it's you still need to be able to to tell the business like at the top how why it's really important in terms of the bottom line so we know that data can help to do that but what what's what does that look like what is the Mm. data yeah and and data underpins everything and and one of the things working in organizations is is you know we'll often be asked around like how is this what's the evidence you know we're really thinking about when you want to do something and putting forward a business case is is making sure that it's evidence-based um and numbers and metrics can help us do that and it really focuses the minds so i'll talk a little bit more around kind of it not being enough to just have numbers, but if we focus on on the metrics for the moment, um, we have set clear targets and, and we set those for our metrics, particularly around gender and um, ethnicity, because they're the numbers that we that we can um, that we have enough data to actually be able to meaningfully measure. So we collect and we um, encourage all of our people to share their demographics in in all areas of their identities. Um, and and we'll continue to look at that through an intersectional lens, but absolutely being able to show leaders where the gaps are, um, where they're making progress and where the opportunities are for them to actually be able to do more is, is really, really important. And we do that through um, promotion, progression, uh, recruitment, attrition, but also things like um, what we call utilization, which is chargeable work. So who's actually getting the you know the the um the best projects who who's getting that work because we know that the type of work that you get means the access that you get to building relationships to you know building a personal branding to getting connection with bigger clients and and that then feeds into performance progression and and how we see that representation at the top so we look at that through a gender and ethnicity lens and and also we look at things like you know who's um who's getting our performance awards who's who's been recognized or who's been identified as an underperformer and are there any gaps in that particularly from from gender and ethnicity and that data allows us to start to unpeel some of that because the more you know the more you start to understand and then you can you know overlay that with what are our people telling us why is this happening what do we need to change in our processes? What behaviors do we need to make sure that we're seeing so that we can close any gaps and make sure that we have equitable outcomes for everybody? Mm. The data is is really key part of that, but we can't just have the data. We've got to have 
the right behaviours that, that underpin that. People need to know why they're aiming for these targets and why it's important to have that representation. And then we bring together the right um, behaviours and understand what do we value and what do we reward as a firm. In your experience, what's been the most challenging part? of that so when you're combining the data and the people you find these these gaps you find where where there's room for improvement what challenges have you experienced in then taking okay now we know the problem this is what we've got to do to, to solve it but how do you get there yeah I think the 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 it's having that clear framework and having that that vision of where you want to get to but the challenges are, are really around actually there isn't a silver bullet there's not one big thing that's going to change everything actually it's the day-to-day behaviors that each of us make that really impact that um that data and that experience of our people so that's the biggest challenge is actually it isn't you know you can't come in and say oh look there's this shiny thing here and if you just do this then everything will be better actually it's every decision that you make um every behavior that you have how you treat people around you what values you um you exhibit what behaviors you um encourage and and and, and don't all of that ha- on a day-to-day minute-to-minute basis matters and and that and that's the hardest part so it's keeping that continuity and often there can be a gap between people's intentions and the impact so really you know bringing that home to people that actually it's it's each of us that owns this and can really influence the culture and even when we're busy and even when we're stressed you know really being able to think about having that human connection with people is is, is really important. Mm. So you're currently doing a doctorate on the topic of privilege um can you I'm really interested tell me a little bit about about that. Yeah um so I've just I'm studying with Cranfield University I'm just in my um well I've finished my first year um and privilege to me is a really fascinating topic. So I acknowledge and recognize that I have privilege by being a white heterosexual um, woman. And, you know, I, I acknowledge that. But what's fascinating to me is that complexity around actually how privilege is a social construct. So we can have privilege and lack privilege at the same time. So, for example, I grew up on free school meals. I um, didn't go to university. So therefore I have lacked privilege in my life. But, you know, like I've said, I absolutely have privilege right now through the role that I have, through the access that I get and through um, through the color of my skin and through the fact that I'm, you know, I'm heterosexual woman. So privilege um, describes those benefits that belong to people because they fit into specific social groups or have certain dimensions to their identity. And recognizing your privilege means understanding the access that you've been granted to certain spaces, the dynamics within an organization, and then how influential you can be in inclusion in the workplace. And that's that's really what I'm interested in is actually, if we start to unpick some of that and we take away that um, sometimes that misconception around, if you have privilege, it means that you've done something wrong whereas actually if you acknowledge that you have privilege and and that and you can have privilege and have lacked privilege then actually you can you can start to make decisions that are better you can start to understand that how you walk through life is not the same as somebody else and therefore you know the our systems our processes our organizations are not necessarily set up in a way that's going to be equitable unless we actively dismantle what already exists yeah 
no, Tony, I mean, I think there is a perception that when someone is, when you're told, oh, well, you've got privilege, that it's a negative against you as a person. It means, and it means that you're a bad person, which that is not what privilege is at all. That's, and it, that's not what, if I was to say to you, well, you've got privilege, it's not mm. me saying, well, you, you're a bad person or that you're against me or you don't want me yeah. to, to succeed. Um, it's just that you're sitting in a position where you're allowed or you, where you've got access to a lot more mm -hmm. than what I do. And it's going to be the barriers for me are a lot higher than what you may well have have experienced in getting to where you are today. Um, and once you know that, like you said, you can kind of start to to see or to do action things slightly differently. Um, and I think that it's great that that's something that you're you're interested in and that you're you're researching and you're you're learning from. And then what your those teachings are then going to be able to carry through into the work that you're doing at EY. So I think that's great. I mean, for you, what's been um what are you most proud of from working within DEI? Um, I mean, the, there's a couple of things. One, I guess, from in terms of the the, the targets we've set ourselves, and in, in terms of being um, more representative at uh, senior levels, because we know that that matters. We know that representation matters. So we set ourselves a target in 2018 to double the representation of our partners group from 10% um, to 20% for ethnic minority, and from 20% to 40% by 2025 so we're still working towards that um that ambition and it's a you know it's a massive stretch but at the moment we have increased from 20 percent to 26 percent women and from 10 percent to 15 percent ethnic minority and i think that i'm really proud of because that hasn't been easy that has been that consistent what are we doing how are we making decisions how are we making sure that we create a um inclusive environment that we retain our top talent that we create these spaces but we make decisions and we create that equity the other thing i would say is the um the work we're doing on data so when when we look at our data on ethnicity for example we we don't look at that as a homogenous group we look at that within that and that's allowed us to really get some insights that we didn't have before so we now look at our um you know our data in terms of mixed black, Chinese, Asian, white, and actually where we had closed gaps in some of that between our white and ethnic minority groups, we were then able to see that there were, there were still gaps between those communities and that's allowed us to do deeper work and more meaningful change. Um, and then I would say that the, if I'm allowed three things, my final thing would be, um, or is, is really around the personal connection. That's, what I love so meeting people we've got six networks and over 30 communities at UI and being able to continuously learn from them but also just from all of our people to to the, you know I talk to people about all all different things all of the time and actually the impact that we're making is is incredible and we're being led by them you know we're listening to what it is that they want and what they don't want and and that's what where I get my energy mm, yeah so when you talk about you want to talk about to the people when you reach out to them so what does that actually look like in practice is it a case of you hold kind of town hall meetings or surveys what do you think has been the most effective 
tool to be able to get that interaction with 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 your employees it's a combination so what we've tried to do is um access all of our people so you know as i said we have got um networks and communities which allows us to then have those conversations on a on a more deeper granular level but we also know that this isn't the you know the DEI agenda is about everybody and that includes majority groups i think that's really important as well um so we get um we work with our most senior leaders and when they have an all people call for all people so this is it's about business so when they're sharing the financial updates when they're sharing um firm-wide updates and things that are most important for all of our people we're on that agenda um and we're not speaking we're working with our leaders and they're actually giving the updates because it's it's their agenda and it's important for them to talk about so that's that's one thing is is being able to do that and use that forum and the other is through um we have different functions or business units service lines we work closely with each of each of those teams and leaders so we're able to kind of get in and understand if they're doing um, sessions on belonging or they might be doing some sessions on inclusion or they might be doing setting up a reverse race mentoring or a reverse or lgbt plus mentoring scheme we're able to support them and, and advise and then we get to hear what they're thinking what they're feeling what they want what they don't so that's that's the communication i think it has to be top level firm wide to really try and get to everybody but then start to go in to the teams where that's where you're really going to get the get that engagement at that local level yeah yeah oh that sounds great so what's one thing do you think DEI leaders don't talk enough about that they should I think um I've seen actually more talking about this but but I haven't seen um too much around like the actual energy that it takes to be in this space and the the, the um you know the resilience that you need and actually the the care that you need to give to yourself from a from a mental health and well-being perspective because actually it's not a it's not an easy job you know you've got that um strategic focus you're working with you know very senior leaders you're really trying to think about what you can do you things are changing all of the time externally from a social landscape um but and also you're often hearing the stories and, and the lives of people that are going through things that, that are quite tough for them. And you take that you take that on um, because you care and people that are in this space, they absolutely care about what they're doing. So I think that that's the piece that I think that I'd like to hear more people talking about. And then I also think um, from a more kind of actual DEI skills perspective, it's that how do we start to really close the gap between you have to be right, or you have to be wrong. I think sometimes people are afraid to have discussions because they don't know all of the answers, even from, you know, DEI practitioners. They might know something about one particular area or be an expert, but they, they're not necessarily sure about others. But that's okay. We're all here to actually learn and continue to learn. Um, and you can have an opinion and a point of view, but it doesn't invalidate somebody else's. I think that's that's important as well. You know, you can have a point of view, but it doesn't mean that you supersede somebody else to have actually constructive discussion so everybody learns that's mm, that's really yeah. helpful no I think it's key and I think it's it's key to creating an inclusive environment workplace where people feel that they belong is that they don't feel like they're going to be um they don't feel like it they're not going to be respected for having a different opinion I think it's important that 
that we're creating a space and even within the role that of DEI is that I can have an opinion on on how something should be done but if you have a difference of opinion that doesn't mean that your opinion is is worse or better or less Mm -hmm. than than my own it's just a different way of thinking and I think that breeds better results anyway um so yeah I totally agree um to go back to to your other point in terms of kind of the resilient it takes to be able to do this role and from a mental health and well-being aspect is there one thing in particular that that you feel that you do to help you deal with um all of the the kind of the work the heavy load that you've got to carry with DEI yeah 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 so I mean one one thing is you know we've a we've a, a really strong team ethic within our own central DEI team so um we meet regularly and we make a point of not just talking about work that actually we really get to know each other on a personal level but also if, if there's been a particular challenging conversation or I've heard something that's been quite hard to 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 digest and I'll, I'll I'll speak to one of my colleagues and share that with them um and just share how I feel so that really helps in terms of that and also um I have a counsellor um and I think sometimes people are are um you know there can be a taboo around that but actually I think everybody should have a counsellor it's really really invaluable in actually being able to have somebody professional to just be there to listen to you whether that's to do with work or home life because we've all got lots of things going on at any one point of time so for me that's really invaluable actually is is having that that space where I know that I can go and talk about anything that I want to. Mm. Well thank you so much for sharing that I think it's it's really refreshing um that as a, as a leader of someone within your role that you're open to sharing um your ways of, of dealing because we all we're all human at the end of the day and we all have bad days and we all have to deal with a lot um and sometimes that gets a bit mu- a, a, a lot to deal with all on on your own um yeah. and it's like how the saying goes is it um a problem shared is a problem halved yeah like, so I think having a counselor could can only be of, of a benefit mm. and I never understood why it is a taboo like I mean I, I do but Mm. I think the, this day and age now, um, I think we need more leaders like yourself to be open and transparent about how they're feeling yeah. and how they're dealing with that, because um, it, it it'll only help. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. I think you know, I, I I've definitely not done that in the past, and and it's um it's been a real benefit to me actually in work and at home because you're just you know you're 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 less stress and it and you know what you learn a lot about yourself actually it's I think any leader um, and everybody really if you want to grow and if you want to be the best leader that you can be for the people around you and for yourself then you have to invest in yourself you've got to put that time in and actually you'll learn some things about yourself that will mean that you get better and stronger and are able to do more so actually it's it's not a sign of weakness I see it as a sign of strength and things that people should be proud of yeah, hundred percent. Totally agree. Um, so, what's one thing a company should stop doing in order to be successful? Well, I think one thing I'll I'll, I'll let you hold me to one thing, because otherwise I'll, I'll I'll list off a few. But you know <laughs> what? Stop stop trying to get stop trying to be perfect. You're not never going to have all of the data. You know, I understand that not all organisations have all of the data. Um, but if you if you're you know, you don't have to have it by cut in every single way in terms of, you know, um, 
characteristics but actually if you look around your organization and everybody looks like you then you know that you've got work to do right and and there's plenty of, of resources that are ex available externally that you know are accessible that you can download um you know things like from BITC and Catalyst and McKinsey that that you can help to bring you on this journey so it isn't always about having the most money it isn't always about having a perfect plan but just get started I think sometimes we 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 just kind of think oh we'll, we'll just we'll just you know we'll plan this out and we'll do this next month and we'll we'll come up with a six month but just start like just start and then and then it will grow and your people will feel that and and don't be hesitant to think that you've got to have a perfect plan and you've got to already have shown what you've done before you go out to to kind of start doing this work with your people actually from what I've seen um people really react to leaders just actually putting a step forward and and, and just moving forward with it and the quicker you start the quicker you're going to make progress and make a difference mm, yeah I think sometimes you can probably plan and plan and plan and so you've planned so much that actually you've forgotten what it is that you were even yeah. the yeah, whole yeah. purpose of, of what you were planning in the first place yeah um sometimes it's just as simple as I guess picking up the phone or um arranging to speak with some people and then as you said just taking that step forward yeah oh well, thanks so much Joanne I think I'm really glad that we had this conversation we was able to share with our listeners today you've given us some really really good useful tips and insights um into your journey and, and what EOI is up to um before you leave us could you share some parting piece of advice for the aspiring DEI leaders out there yeah I think um connect with your you know create a network for yourself so often there are um now, quite often I hear, you know, there are um, standalone roles and actually that can be that can be quite lonely. So, you know, use your LinkedIn network or, or however, however it works for you. But but just be be connected. Um, you don't have to know everything, but actually curiosity um, and and continuously learning, reading, listening to podcasts. That, that's how I, I found actually in the beginning as I would listen to lots of podcasts and um join webinars and, and really just try and immerse myself in actually what's what's happening who are the, who, who who should I connect with who can I learn from and then you create a, a a trust circle as well that you can you can connect with um and the other thing I would say is you know often if there's a, a problem to solve or somebody's come to you with a challenge particularly if it's it's um you know in, employees and you don't have to have all of the solutions just listen and actually ask them what do they want what would make this better for you you know what what is there anything that I can do or what what can what can we do that is going to make your experience better because sometimes you can come up with this big thing that you need to do but actually they just want this one one thing that's really important to them and if you can help them do that then that's massive so ask more questions and don't feel like you need to have all of the answers I would say great advice thanks so much Joanne and talking about connection how yes. can people connect with you oh I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter so feel free to connect with me um and I try try and share um useful and practical things and and particularly from an EY perspective I know that um you know, we're a large organization, we often have access to materials that we create that are available externally. So I try to share those so that other organizations and people can, um, can leverage them as well. So yeah, you'll find me there. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll definitely be putting a link down to your socials for anyone that's having a listen to the podcast so they can click on your details and give you a follow. Um, And I think some of those external information that you've got for EY would be really, really great and, and helpful to read. So thanks again, Joanne, and speak to you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you.